1: Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.
2: You're listening to Cork Today on
3: Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Good morning. Welcome to Friday's Cork Today. JP in for Patricia right through until one. Hopefully, she'll be back with us for Monday's show. But we're with you until one. Bernie, taking uh, your comments. If there's something you want to raise on the show or we'll discuss what we are discussing, 0818 103, 103 is the number. Or you can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Lines now open. And ahead on the show, Ireland's aging car fleet and a shortage of mechanics in this country. Well, that has been blamed for delays within the NCT system. The Road Safety Authority. They appeared before the Rocktas Transport Committee yesterday, so we're going to hear from the committee this morning. And the chair, who is Limerick Deputy Kieran O'Donnell, will join us very shortly. Also fishers, well they are not happy and they remain unhappy along our coastal communities because many have contacted us to say that money allocated in the budget, uh, supposed to be for the fishing community, more so is going for tourism projects in coastal areas and not to the industry itself. And also we're going to hear how fishermen who have travelled to see wind turbines, initially they had a, a different opinion, now their opinion is different, they they were against them initially and now they feel they could. Could work with portable wind turbines in our coastal waters. We'll speak with Patrick Murphy from the Irish South and West Fish Producers Organisation. And the public dental service is failing children who are waiting seemingly up to 10 years for a screening. And many don't get to see a dentist if they are relying now just on the public service, they don't get to see a dentist until they are sixteen. So we're gonna chat with the Irish Dentists Association on this and we know over the last two or three years the problems within the service and how those on a medical card they still can't get access on the public service to many dentists in their area. Uh, some areas of the country can be worse than others but when it comes to young children it, it seems parents are paying up because they can't get access to the f- public service for dental treatment. And also on the programme we're going to hear from students that were protesting yesterday uh, right across the country. We'll hear from those in Cork who were out because of the shortage of accommodation and also the cost of living but the shortage of accommodation is the main thing they are protesting for. Many are still commuting many can't find a place to live and if they do it's just too expensive we'll hear from those protests yesterday. Also next week is National Fire Safety Week so we're going to chat with a fire station officer on fire safety and Focus Ireland are holding their annual Sleep Out Shine A Light fundraiser that's going ahead tonight and uh, we'll be discussing the homeless situation in Ireland with them later. We're also going to the movies with Mark and it is Free Fuel Friday. More on that shortly as well Uh, but we all know during the height of the lockdowns and many of us who were working and many of us then who were let go from our jobs and were not able to work, a lot of people did receive the pandemic unemployment payment or indeed the temporary wage subsidy. And we were all told at the time that these won't be taxed, but you will have to pay tax back on this. Well, now uh, it seems that thousands of people have yet to contact Revenue to sort out their tax bill. And it doesn't surprise us because it, that was said, but people forget. and uh, Revenue out saying that taxpayers and this all includes single people, couples with one earner or jointly assessed couples or civil partners, some of those who got the PUP, they will face a hefty tax bill of up to €2,500. Now at the time I presumed revenue were going to take it off our, our tax so that an amount we were told would be deducted every month and if you wanted to pay in full you could if not over the next four years. That's what we were told, anyhow, initially, that they would take off the money from your tax, so you'd be taxed slightly higher every month for the next four years. And today, they're saying something similar, that they're going to reduce the tax credits unless people make an arrangement to pay the tax. Anyhow, it seems that those who weren't aware or forgot, I think many did, are getting a shock today. And if you go into your revenue online, you will see how much you owe revenue, but Again, many of us presume that they will take it off and they're going to do that now, they say, by reducing our tax credits. So uh, I think the majority of those of us who are working were on a temporary wage uh, subsidy scheme and those who had no jobs were on the PUP, the Pandemic Unemployment Payment. Uh, so you will see your tax credits adjusted to pay back the money that we all owe revenue. And for example, someone who was on a salary of 35,000 euros and you lost your job. And you were on the pandemic unemployment payment for 23 weeks and then you went back to work On the same salary, well, they reckon you would owe revenue about 1,350 euros in tax. And if you were earning a lot higher than that, and it was around the 67,000 mark, and you were on the PUP for the same length of time, then you would owe a higher amount of 2,500 euro. Uh, Anyway, that story making uh, news this morning, it's Charlie Weston is breaking that story in the Indo. Uh, So we'll, we'll wait and see. I think a lot of people will just leave it to revenue to adjust their tax credits and pay it back that way over the next four years unless people really want to pay upfront. But who would have the money now uh, to be paying over a thousand euros in tax when we're struggling with everything else coming into us housewise. And speaking of everything else coming into us, our shopping we all have to eat. And householders now are being advised by the consumer experts to start saving for Christmas uh, because your wallet will be hit hard around Christmas as we all know. And uh, particularly I suppose if you're going to be shopping for the Christmas shop as in food Food for Christmas dinner now many parents at this stage I'm sure like everybody if you have uh, your own children if you have nieces nephews godchildren you are already uh, purchasing Christmas presents because everybody's budgeting ahead of uh, the Christmas period so, Looking into the average grocery bill, it seems now analysis, and they do this every so often in the Irish Daily Mail, along with the CSO, that it's costing over one thousand two hundred euros than it did a year ago when it comes to our food shop. And just some of the items that they look at from September, for example, smoked salmon, it's gone up from last year to this year over three euros of an increase. Cooked ham, also three euros of an increase. Lamb chops are nearly gone up by two eighty. So again, nearly €3. Euro. It's €2 euro increase if you're buying a sirloin steak. And then outside of food, if you're going to the cinema, your cinema costs have increased. Uh, that's going up by a euro. So it may have cost you, for example, uh, €9 euro last year. It's over ten or now uh, to get a ticket to go and see a film or a movie in the cinema. But potatoes are still on the de- decrease. And they, uh, for a 7.5 kg bag of potatoes, they have gone down in price. Again, 30 cents cheaper than last year. So not everything is going up. But still, you can see that if you are shopping why €2, €3 doesn't sound like a lot it does add up at the end of the till and you will notice the difference I'm sure everybody is at the moment anyhow you don't need us to tell you that or a survey uh, to tell you that everything has gone up but you can see the, the difference already from last year to this year and it's not just a euro it's not 50 cents it's 3 euros uh, in a lot of the cases for food that the majority of us get and just speaking on costs uh, sad news yesterday when I read this on social media from Cronin's family butchers in Kenturk, uh, they announced yesterday that they're going to close and this is due to the escalating costs and the current economic climate and they say small businesses cannot sustain the continuous spiralling costs and how many more businesses have we seen this happen to small businesses right across the country facing closure I mean every day you go on social media you will see some of these small businesses across the various county towns not only here in Cork but I've seen a number from Tipperary from Kerry from Clare and we're seeing more and more of this uh, every day and it's really sad to see a family business closing so we wish Cahill and all the family at Cronin's Family Butchers in Kenturk the very best for the future whatever you decide to do but um, it is it's sad news. They are obviously open still, and they will remain open uh, for business. But they are going to close. And again, it's so sad to see you know a local family butcher's or any local family business closing due to the spiralling cost, and that's the main reason uh, associated with closure for so so many. Very sad indeed. And then the debacle of the song sung in the dressing room after the Irish victory over Scotland, uh, and we making our way to the World Cup playoff. Well, UEFA now have got involved, and they're going to open up an investigation after the Republic of Ireland players singing that chant in the dressing room. And they say that in accordance with their Article 31 of the UEFA disciplinary regulations, they're going to look into this on the ethics and disciplinary investigation on inappropriate behaviour of players uh, that information on this matter will be made available in due course so while many people want this to go away at this stage and just concentrating on the, on the soccer and Ireland being through to the World Cup uh, still now UEFA involved in the investigation and this is interesting from the UK because I'm sure you're all aware of the story of this morning presenters on ITV Holly Willoughby and Philip Schofield and the backlash they received when they a queue jumped. Now, they deny that. They said they were working and they were brought around the side of the queue and they weren't queue jumping, but everybody on social media was saying they were queue jumping and they faced a huge backlash and petitions for them to resign. And if you looked at any social media sites, everybody hated them and they were under pressure themselves. Well, the National Television Awards were held in the UK last night. It's a public vote. So the public decide who wins these awards. And if you were to go on social media, All the producers, everybody there, and and the team themselves presumed they were not going to get anywhere near a win this year. And guess what? They won so you'd have to wonder about social media and everybody that gives out on it uh, because the public did vote so while there was a huge backlash on social media uh, obviously not everybody in the public was uh, against them or just felt that the story didn't really justify uh, a change in the presenter lineup. producers had fears uh, that there would be a backlash at the awards even but uh, while there was seemingly uh, some booing uh, in some sections of the arena uh, they got up and they collected their awards so yeah it just shows what can be said online doesn't always mean uh, that the entire nation is thinking the same way. Now we're mentioning a lot there about costs and fuel and all of that, and I think today is a good day to give away some free fuel, don't you think?
4: C103's Free Fuel Friday.
0: With East Cork Oil, serving Cork
3: City and County and across
0: Munster. For locations, see your local oil company. Always local.
3: And all day today, we are giving away 100 euro fuel vouchers with C103's Free Fuel Friday. You can fill up your tank or indeed just heat the home. C103's Free Fuel Friday with East Cork Oil serving Cork City and County and across Munster. For location, see your local oil company dot Always local only on C103 and you have to identify this star in the car. If you know this person, if you can identify them, don't text or WhatsApp now. Hold on to your answer. Okay, don't text in now. We'll look for the answer later in the show. But to get you thinking, here's who this, who do you think this could be? But again, don't text in yet. Just have a listen now. See, can you identify this person?
5: We have the dog back. Actually, the dog we had uh, for only a a minute before before she was returned was way better behaved.
3: hmm it was a news story, actually, over the last month. and We will play that again for you between uh, across the show. We will be looking for the correct answer later on C103's Free Fuel Friday. If you have any idea who that is, write it down somewhere. We'll be back to that later in the show. Our lines are open, 0818 103 103, if you wish to comment on something. I have a lot of emails as well into the show, and I will get to those right across the morning. Mary is in Bantry. Can we help out Mary? Because she is looking for Odlum's gluten-free self-raising flour. Now, she says... Her usual shops don't have it. Her husband is Celia. Can we help her out if you're in the Bantry area or or that general area of West Cork? Anybody know uh, where you can purchase Odlum's Gluten-Free Self-Raising Flower? Let us know. And our lines are open as well to other comments on 0818 103 103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. But are you waiting uh, for your NCT? Have you tried booking it? And is the date uh, that you're getting way out in next year? Well, the Road Safety Authority, they appeared before the the Oireachtas Transport Committee yesterday and we'll hear how they got on next.
4: court today on c 103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103.
3: Ireland's ageing car fleet and a shortage in mechanics were listed as some of the reasons for delays in NCT testing. The head of the Road Safety Authority Sam Wade told the Oireachtas Transport Committee that the average wait time for a test is 24 days. Well, chair of that Oireachtas Transport Committee is Limerick, Deputy Kieran O'Donnell, who joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Kieran. Good morning. As test centres struggle to find suitable staff, 22 staff from Spain and we believe 44 from the Philippines will soon be hired, but many are asking, why were they not recruited sooner?
6: Well, that's the question we put to the RSA at the Joint Director's Committee and of communications yesterday to be honest the the response we got uh, we felt were insufficient that they should have been very much ahead of the curve in terms of ensuring they adequate staff in both the NCT centers in terms of testing but also for people doing driving tests as well uh, we've they are they have transferred 22 staff from the Spanish operations of the operator of the NCT test center uh, 12 uh, 12 of those are in situ. There's another 10 to come next week. And furthermore, there, there are 44 um, people coming in from the Philippines who are, will, will be there shortly. Well, we shouldn't have got to this point. Um, so what we've asked is for the RSA to look to how they can expedite uh, reducing the waiting times from the, the current 24, 25 weeks or NCT tests down to, to 12 to have that figure and furthermore in terms of the waiting time for people looking for driving tests down from 15 weeks down to to 10 and we want to see that happen quickly and they've agreed to go away uh, and look at the matter again uh, and come back to us uh, with 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 their proposals because certainly on the the NCT testing side uh, we have people out there who are I suppose very anxious in terms of being stopped with an NCT cert out of there to no fault alone because they couldn't get an appointment at an NCT test centre. And furthermore, the issues is in terms of insurance as well. Ungarla Shiacona and the um, insurance company are taking a pragmatic view at the moment, but that's, n- that's not necessarily in the strict terms of the law. And we want to see this matter. Been expedited by the RSA.
3: And as you mentioned, that we have asked Gardie, and I think 98% of those who do police our roads will understand and will, if you have your booking from the NCT centre, you know, that they will understand that and let you off. But they're, you know, as you say, it's, it's still against the law under the, the legislation. You must have your car NCTs. And insurance companies are also asking questions, Kieran, on this.
6: Yes, and, and what we also ask that the the committee hearing yesterday was that the RSA would now look to ensure that when uh, the, a car is stopped by an Shea when the, the Gardaí go up on their own uh, computer system, that it comes up on the system that someone has uh, applied for an NCT test. Uh, at the moment, they have to have evidence on them. and Really, we feel at this point in time that this is to no fault of the, the owner of the car, the driver of the car. This is entirely a problem at the feet of the RSA, where effectively they've allowed uh, the numbers to build both for NCT tests, which are now 255,000 people, and huge numbers on the um, waiting list for driving tests as well, to a point where the waiting times are far too long. They gave us an indication that they would be reducing the NCT tests back to um the 12 weeks from 25 24 25 weeks and driving tests uh waiting times from 15 to 10 weeks but they were talking about q2 of next year which is effectively into the middle of next year that's unacceptable so we've asked them to go away and look at this and do practical put practical measures in place like ensuring that the Garda's own computer system has the updated data that shows that people have applied for nct tests and really um if, if, if I'm being honest, uh, the matter was, was was a lot worse than we had actually uh, anticipated when we actually got the RSA in before us. So we want to see immediate action for the RSA to deal with these uh, huge waiting lists, which are having, causing a huge degree of anxiety on people, particularly in terms of the NCT tests, but also in terms of young people looking to get have their driving text on, in terms of getting jobs and so forth. It's unacceptable. So we, we take our role as a committee very seriously, and it's a matter we um, have asked the RSA to come back to us on, which they will. but We'll be following up with the RSA on it as well, and looking to get uh, immediate action. This is about not having sufficient staff in place, both in terms of NCT. This should be anticipated in terms that post-COVID there was going to be a pent-up demand, and you know, it it's it it. The t- to be honest, uh, it was. Um, uh, really illogical that they do not have sufficient staff in place today and they were suddenly finding The staff are only now being put in place.
3: And the staff they are going to put in place, uh, while you were speaking with the road safety authorities at the NCT run by a, a private company, a Spanish company, so those Correct. staff, they'll be working for that company uh, and not directly with the road safety authority.
6: Well, the road safety authority have a contract with, with A+. Who are the operators of the NCT centres, but they—they are contractors with the RSA. So ultimately, the RSA are responsible. It's up to the RSA to ensure that the contractor was agreed, and we understand that it was uh, around the, the uh, 12 weeks for the NCT tests uh, waiting time and around 10 weeks for driving test times. Uh, that, that It's up to the RSA to ensure that A-plus have the resources in place and how we suddenly found ourselves in a situation whereby it looks like that from or i say yesterday they were only starting to look to recruit staff last july um and it looks like that that they were only looking to um they only gone out in terms of recruiting staff from abroad uh, very recently uh and really you know if you even look at the situation on the test the driving testers um they had driving 35 driving testers who were on contracts that finished uh, August, I think, and September. And they, 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 they've they been let go, and they're they, they, they recruiting another 31. So we've asked them to go back, and they should be looking to get agreement that they can extend the contracts from the department, extend the contracts for these uh, driving testers who are experienced. So we had to question, how did they let 35 staff go, who were hugely experienced at a time when they Enormous waiting list in terms of driving test, testing. So these were a very, very um, forward question from myself as chair and my fellow committee members, and it's a matter of, we'll be following up in the RSA. We must get uh, quickly the waiting times back to the, the, the normality, which is for from 25, 24 weeks to down to 10, to twelve weeks for the NCT testing, and for. Um, reduce from 15 weeks to 10 weeks for driving tests and i suppose if i could put it in context if someone now is applying for an nct test on their car uh and someone would have gone up i had personal went up last monday and the earliest uh appointment they could get uh was uh in three months time if they were to get it in their own locality which was in dublin uh the person they were looking at it would take um another four months. And in terms of the longest waiting time, you're up at, at six months. Uh, that means you, you can't operate a system like that when you have people who uh, are required when you have a car more than four years old that you have to get an NCT test. Even people looking to, to sell cars if they wish to trade in the car can't do it without an NCT test in, in reality. And... You know what we have to do here is and, and obviously the practical thing of people being stopped by on Garda comments so we've asked for a few practical measures one get the integrate with the Garda system so that any guarantee that stops a car will immediately see someone has applied for an nct test so there's no ambiguity or any confusion around that area and then to bring down the, the waiting time so it'll be the effect an emergency action plan from the rsa to the, the NCT testing and also the, the driving licence testing. And for, and another element that came up as well is that you have uh, rental car providers who will be very much in the tourism sector and, and obviously renting commercially as well. And they typically would be able to have nine cars uh, at any one time with, 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 the, with the NCT testing centres. However, for them, their car fleets have got older because they can't get access to uh, buying cars now is much slower process. And for them, it's it's we. This has to be done um, quickly, and they, so they've agreed to engage with the car rental companies. We also have the issue in terms of the um, HGV licences, bringing drivers in from abroad, particularly the likes of South Africa. The delays there. So really, this is a matter. Of all these collective matters we're going to be following up with the RSA, but obviously the ones for the public out there, the general public, are. The NCT test and bring it down from the 24, 25 weeks down to 12 and the driving licence waiting times to bring it down from the 15 weeks to 10 weeks.
3: Well, the driving test one, I think the, the example you gave there of letting drivers go and then putting out a call for new driving testers and new contracts, I mean, that shows that there is a problem yeah. w- within the service there. They're
6: saying that, under, that they were required to do that. We've asked them that in an emergency circumstances like the current situation, mm that surely some element of waiver could be given in this area to allow them to retain these staff.
3: And you mentioned about so many second-hand cars remaining in the market. And that, of course, is due to a cost factor. People cannot afford to purchase a new car. And those who are lucky enough to purchase brand new cars are waiting for that car to arrive due to supply issues. But uh, with the NCT standards of customer service, we always get calls on this. We've received more this morning. Number five on their customer service standards says that the NCT aim to ensure that the average lead time for an appointment at an individual entity centre is less than or equal to 15 days. Now you will be provided, they say with a test free of charge where an appointment cannot be offered within a 28-day period unless any of the following apply. But all our callers say they've made arrangements and contacted the NCT in plenty of time, but this has never happened. Now, one of the conditions is the test is overdue by more than seven days at the time of contacting the NCT, but all our callers this morning say they made arrangements and did contact the NCT in plenty of time before their own NCT expired.
6: But, but, but when it gets down to with the public, public want to get their cars NCT tested. If you're waiting and you go up on the website and you're waiting between three and six months to get an appointment, even though the average is, is, is 25 days, that could be someone continually on, on a line trying to find uh, an appointment that has been cancelled. Now, the, uh, the one feature that did come out was that there are quite a number of no-shows uh, we've asked them to look at how they could reduce people having to come back again, uh, in terms of a second NCT test. But the fundamental issue is that that, that when you come back to it, they have insufficient staff yeah. uh, in the NCT test centres and they've insufficient staff in terms of driving testers. We've asked the RSA to relook at everything and to come up with an action plan that brings back these waiting times quickly to normality for the to the 12 weeks for the nct testing having the time from the current 25 weeks and to reduce the, the driving uh, testing times by five weeks from the 15 back to the the 10 weeks uh the, the normal and really what we have here is something that uh, has to be rectified immediately by the rsa this is something that's causing a huge degree of anxiety to the public you're getting it on your Program, it's 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 everywhere. We're getting it underground, and it's something we will continue to follow up on, on as a, a Transport and Transporter Committee. Something I'm getting from the public on, on a daily basis, and we need to see it rectified quickly.
3: Well, Kieran, hopefully after the meeting yesterday at the Eroctus Transport Committee, we will see a difference now in the next number of months within the NTC system. We'll keep an eye on that, and, and if again they appear before the Eroctus Transport Committee, but for, for the moment, thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. Thanks. Thank you very much,
6: Chipy. Thank you for that.
3: That is chair of the Arachas Transport Committee, Kieran O'Donnell. Are you affected by this? 0818103103 103 or text or WhatsApp 0862103103. 103. Want to go to the fishers in our coastal communities and chat with them next?
4: Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862 103
3: we We've heard a lot this week on the accommodation crisis, but fishers are unhappy as many in our coastal regions of Cork simply cannot continue to live. I have a lot of emails in from people who are unhappy uh, following the budget and do work in the fishing industry. Well, Patrick Murphy from the Irish South and West Fish Producers Organisation joins me. Good morning to you, Patrick. And good morning Pete, it's great to talk to you again Well we've seen in the budget that the government set aside 235 million euros for the industry, a lot of the people who have emailed us across the last week or so, they're saying that money well it looks great, it's not really allocated directly to the fishing industry they're saying it's going toward more so tourism projects rather than the fishing side of things, I mean do you agree with them on that? Well, it's because, of
0: course I yeah, am because it's true,
1: look okay. If you look at the systems that are brought in, it's going to those areas. And there's no harm in that. We have no problem with that. We welcome it. We fought very hard for it in the task force. But the minister to say that that is addressing the problem is not the case. And the easiest way to describe this to anybody is like this. Our minister is inside in the hospital. He's a doctor. And he's rushed in in trauma. And there's a man there and his neck is opened and he's bleeding out and instead of treating that, he goes and he fixes his broken finger. The patient is dead. And that's what's happening here. We have boats that can't go to sea because they are running the risks of running into debt because the price of fuel is is rising, rising all the time, and they can't compete with the French and Spanish boats who have 30 cent a kilo um, given to them by their governments to to allow them to remain viable. And we have money in the minister's hands, and he said he has it. So he has 5.5 million, that is not allocated to anywhere. And he says, well, we'll still lend it somewhere else. But are sure, all of industry, not just the fishermen, the processors, the aquaculture, have told our minister twice, in two meetings, Minister, we are critical here. This is the most uh, damaging part of, of the industry at the moment. We just can't keep going. We need help. And you have the money. Can you give it to us? And for that minister or any minister to turn around and say, listen, I think it should be spent somewhere else. What's the point in talking to industry? If you want to listen to the experts, you cannot have it both ways, PJ. A minister saying that he's talking to the industry and they advised him to decommission, which is not quite correct, and I have to do what they ask and then on the other hand everybody in industry without question saying we need help your minister and he won't give it and
3: the, the fleet system with the tie up scheme is that still in place that was supposed to be in place until the end of the year is it so you have boats who are simply cannot go up are they getting paid basically to stay docked up at at the harbour
1: so, so it's like this everybody that was told to stay at home from Covid right mm. was asked to stay at home for the good of the country right And they got money for us. There's no difference to the fishermen. Fishermen are asked to tie to the pier wall and not go fishing. So the fish that they would be catching is given to the other fellas who remain fishing. So they give up their fishing rights. So it's not as if they're getting money for free. They're giving up their rights to make a living and they get paid for that instead. Right. That's the money that came from Europe. Not from the Irish Exchequer, I might add. This is coming from Europe. Because we were robbed of 25% of our fish, which I can thankfully say the minister has published in his own report from the task group group that confirms that it's 25%, as I've been saying all along, is the minimum. And the actual fish that the UK are getting is between 40 and 60 comes from Ireland. And that's that's where we're at. So this money was given to fishermen
3: to stop fishing. Right? But when so they I go back out to see Patrick again when when that scheme is up, they'll have to face all the new challenges. So will they have and enough and reserves worse, to, to and go and actually physically go out?
1: And worse because I'm on the group that decides how much fish we can give to our fishermen. right? And if we run out of fish, they have to get less because we have to balance the books or we'll be punished by Europe. So you can imagine some boats tied up in August and they had 20 tonne of hake to catch. We had to reduce that to 12 tonne the next month because... There wasn't enough fish there for the ones that are there. So we're at critical levels here. We're not making this up. People are struggling to pay for boats, pay their expenses. We had a lad that came into the office now and he says, I'm running on 30%. That's all I have to, to pay for the boats, pay for everything, pay my loans, 30% of what the boat makes. He has to give more to the crew out of his own pocket to keep them on board the boat. And he's explained this and our minister is not listening. It is absolutely tragic. That we have a minister that says, on the one hand, I'm going to listen to the interview uh, to the industry and do what they say, and on the other hand, ignores the industry. And I mean all of industry. People need to know this is down to processing, transport, the fishermen, the aquaculture, inshore boatmen, offshore boatmen. It's and they're all publishing this. They're they're trying their best to get the message out to try and convince this minister to do the right thing, and it is the right thing because it's being done in Europe. And it's a huge knock on
3: effect as well, Patrick, not only for the fishing industry, but for the local coastal town and villages who do have business coming directly from fishing, where that be B&Bs or the local supermarkets. So that's a knock on effect for everybody involved or living in those areas. Uh, Just two other issues I want to touch on before I leave you go. First of all, in the news this week, this is for those fishers who did come to work here in this country. There's a new permit system going to be offered to migrant fishermen. Are you happy with that outcome for those who were treated badly?
1: We have been speaking about this, PJ, and with Patricia and Fair Play to, you to highlight this for years. And you have a, a, a part that you've played in this because this is where the pressure comes on when people talk about this. I'd say I'm after writing to 10 or 12 different ministers in four different departments in the last four to five years begging them to listen to what we're saying about this. This scheme was not fit for purpose. It was a legal instrument that was designed in a rush and, and has been proven it is not acceptable by the other agencies. So of course we welcome this and we want them, not a year's time, we want it done next month. These lads have earned the rights to fish in our country and decide whether they go on a stamp for or not stay in the industry and go work somewhere else. We want people to have the same rights and entitlements as we have in our own mm. country that earned them. And they've been here for five years and more. We've been banging this drum and we're delighted now that the Department of Energy, or, sorry, Business, Enterprise and Innovation has taken this up and they are going to put a new fit-for-purpose scheme in place for new fishermen coming into the country. And this is where we run into trouble. The report that was brought out on this said there was 376 infringements by the WRC. 18 of them, there was something in it, something slight. The rest were thrown out four to three hundred and seventy six will hit the headlines and they won't deal with the report, the report of what's actually happening. But we welcome this. The crews welcome this. The bowl owners welcome this. This this saves people from being criminalised for doing the right thing, which is giving these lads a the job.
3: Okay. And finally, you took a trip recently and there's a lot of talk about wind turbines being erected off our coastlines and some involved in the fishing industry may not be happy with this. They say it can can impact, uh, first of all, stocks, but also uh, fishing areas. A lot of talk about portable wind turbines and you have seen these floating wind turbines in deep oceans. And has this changed your mind and if they were ever to be uh, erected or put out off the, for example, the East Cork or West Cork coastlines?
1: Okay, so it's not that I've changed my mind. I wanted to see what the technology sound and that I think that it would stand up to the weather. And where I've seen these wind farms, the answer to that is yes, I won't tell a lie. The same concerns, the same uh, fears of of these coming into our area Mm. is still real. We don't know. This is a new technology. We don't know how it's going to impact the um, babies, we call them, uh, the the embryos of the fish that are laid around the area, even if they will come there we're hearing stories of fish being deformed and changed and extra claws and stuff like this. So, you know, we don't know. We're very cautious of this. But the one thing we do know, DJ, is that wherever these go, fishermen will not be allowed to fish, uh, trawl and and move around these. It'll be too dangerous. for all involved. So this means we're losing our farm. So you if will be you losing s- some Absolutely. part of the ocean. Absolutely. And okay. these will be the places, this is the problem, you see, where these will be put, to bury the cables will be put on soft ground and into places where it'll be easy to get the cable underground to protect it from abrasion and everything else. It makes sense, but this is in the same area that the fishermen, third prize fishing grounds, so. It's not like putting them up into the mountains and to have a rock. This is about putting them through the, the green fields, you know? Yeah, and I, I most, know, it will, uh, it will have a, a knock
3: on effect uh, for the fishing industry. So, this is yeah. something we'll, we'll go back to, I'm sure, uh, again, if there is ever talk to them officially going up off our coastline. For the moment, Patrick, I must leave it there. And thanks for joining us this morning uh, on that issue. That is Patrick uh, Murphy there from the Irish South and West Fish Organised Association. Your views are welcome 0818 103, 103 You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Are you fishing? Facing a delay when you're trying to get your child to go and see a dentist, and you realise how hard it is on the public surface. Well, seemingly a number of children are waiting up to ten years for a screening. We're going to chat with the Irish Dentist Association shortly on the program. But just back to a number of comments into us on what we were discussing before 11. First of all, on the wind turbines at sea. Michael in Bears says, "Yes, J.P. The wind is free, but wind turbines." cost a heck of a lot of money and repairs and maintenance is also costly hence putting them at sea is only aggravating costs further having them on land would be a cheaper option to control and indeed maintain furthermore having wind farms at sea is leaving them wide open to sabotage the nord gas line is a warning and hence the problem security which would be impossible and extremely costly in today's world. I think that it should be a non-starter, says Michael. And Ireland is not short of hills and mountains for wind farms. Uh, thank you on WhatsApp, Michael O'Sullivan in town Bear and on the NCT and Neil says uh, JP I had no problem getting a date for my NCT which was due at the end of September however I had previously booked time away in the UK I came home mid-September and I immediately got in touch with the NCT and I asked them for a cancellation date I was given the date of the 10th of October but two days later I got a new date of the 7th of October says Neil on text to 0862103103, and I have heard that uh, some people are very lucky uh, some will ring and be not be so lucky and they could be waiting for two or three months but like you Neil I have heard that for people and we always say if you can ring them do ring them uh, if you're in a situation where you need the NCT sooner rather than later and like yourself Neil that has happened so it isn't all bad they do uh, provide a service whereby you can get one very soon uh, it, I did that myself a number of years ago it did work out the second time I did it not so much did it work out I got a date but not as close as I would like to have got it but still when you ring them you know it it can sometimes uh, be better if they have a cancellation uh, it can work out but if you're going on the website it's a different story it will tell you it could be next year i think it's march 2023 many people are telling us this morning when they've gone on the website to book one it's coming up and next march is the nearest date but if you ring they sometimes will try and give you a cancellation not all the time it hasn't worked out all the time for people but sometimes it does thank you neil finbar is a man And he is raising an issue that we also discussed on the roads yesterday by way of funding to Cork County and Cork City. And this is roads because Finbar, in relation to the NCT, says the roads are in a terrible state. His car is a 2011 car, so it needs to get an NCT every year. He's asking, why is this? Well, it it goes in so many years once your car is older than is it three or four years. It increases from every two years to then every year. Uh, But cars can't be in a good condition, is what Finbar is saying Uh, with the state of the roads so the roads are to blame uh, for the condition of our cars and that's a good point I think many of you would agree uh, with Fimber on that no matter where you are uh, living in Cork there is some roads that are just in a terrible disrepair and that of course is having an effect on your car and when it goes for the NCT you'd wonder how a car can pass travelling on our roads here in Cork Noel is in a, uh, is in, in a Shannon even and he says that there is no need for a 4 year old car to be receiving or even going for an NCT people are are looking after their cars but the council are not looking after their roads says Noel in a Shannon a lot of people also uh, have a, a similar point to Noel on that regarding our road network and how uh, Margaret says it's falling into disrepair so how can we put our car through an NCT when we're basically driving on dirt tracks says Margaret while somebody else on text says get rid of the NCT when they have no staff service there should be enough of a reason to get rid of it uh, get a cert to say it has been serviced Uh, that would be better it doesn't bother me anymore it doesn't affect me so I presume you say you don't drive anymore but this person feels pay the garages instead let them do the NCT let them say and give you a cert to say it's been serviced and do away with the NCT and while Willie is in Little Island and Willie says my NCT was out a few months ago I left my details with my local centre and within 6 days uh, they messaged me to come along to get my car nct No problems whatsoever, says Willie in Little Island. So that worked out for Willie. Stephen is in Glenworth. Good morning to you, Stephen. Hi, how are you. So you went along to get your NCT. Tell us, first of all, your story. Were you able to get an appointment close or did you have to wait a number of months?
1: Well, I got the usual notification of uh, when my... Uh it's a light commercial van I have now. It's not the NCT, it's the CVRT. So it's a light commercial test I was getting done, and uh, they notified me of the date. No problem there. But the problem I have, I've been uh, testing vehicles for many many years now, so I know exactly how it works. And uh, with regard to certain, with regard to safety and all that, I've been testing for.
3: 14 years, so uh, doing fantastic. Okay, your, your uh, line is breaking up there, Steve. If you just stay okay. in, in one location, you're, you're breaking up there. So, you were saying it, it wasn't the physical NCT, was it the MOT, or, or what were you going for for, for your van?
1: I went for uh, the light commercial. I have a small van, and I went for a light commercial. And uh, my problem is if they do not
3: do a date, uh, Okay, I think we'll have to leave that line it's just, it's just going there Bernie on us for some unknown reason but uh, basically what Steve is trying to tell us is that when he went along for his uh, well, NCT it's what's on the screen here uh, when he got that they didn't backdate it so there was a delay obviously for him getting the NCT and when he did get the NCT uh, the search was backdated to when it was due so for example it was due in March he applied for the NCT and he might have went and got it done in October uh, but when he got the search, the search was marked for March has that happened to anybody else when you're trying to book your NCT and you don't get it for the, the month I presume they're going to say that's because it was up from March and you, you know your, your time frame is how many years you have for it so if you're getting your current NCT every year it's going to be a year isn't it uh, so if you go along in March and you don't get the test until October, they're going to say, sorry, but March is when your NCT was up. So we're only going to do it for March. So basically that means while you had a test in October, you're back in again, uh, getting a test in about four or five months time because they have backdated it uh, to when it was actually physically out and when the NCT expired. I would imagine that's what the NCT centres will say. uh, But has that happened to others as well? Kind of frustrating, I suppose, if you were looking and trying to get an NCT and then you do but it's later in the year which means you're back in again in about two or three months trying to get another one anyhow uh, thanks to Steve there in Glanworth unfortunately the line uh, broke down on us uh, to Glanworth but thank you for your call to 0818103103. 103 and remember we had Jim on to us from Bantry Jim's daughter and her friend, they were on the bus from Drogheda to Balbrigham and Jim was disgusted to hear the story from his daughter that while they were on the bus, there was a couple who, as Jim described this, were basically performing a a sex act on one another on the bus and his daughter and her friend were just totally disgusted as were other passengers on the bus so uh, Jim told the story we did contact bus Aaron uh, because Jim says he was on to them but did not hear anything back Uh, so we did contact them and this is what bus Aaron said on that service first of all they say they were disappointed to hear of the events that occurred on route 101 uh, between Drogheda to Dublin uh, in uh, September they say the driver of that bus was not aware or not advised of any antisocial behaviour that may have taken place last Month on that route, but the matter was subsequently brought to our attention, arising from a follow up telephone call through our customer care team. Now, Bus cannot report to the Gardee independently of an eyewitness report, but we do advise customers to report any incidents of this nature to the Gardaí or directly to the driver if they think they are in a position to do so, uh, says uh, Boss Aaron, who issued us a statement on that. Well, as Jim said, it was his daughter was on the bus. They were totally taken back. Uh, he did contact Boss Aaron, but you can see their response. While well, they, they do acknowledge that they got a phone call on it, uh, it's up to Jim now basically to go back to the Gardaí and report the matter to the Gardaí Bus Aaron themselves can't on an eyewitness report but the person who did witness this can uh, directly now go to the Gardaí so uh, Jim at this stage can go to Bantry or indeed uh, a Garda station in Dublin again on that and then from what happened there with the Bus Aaron, some good news regarding buses because uh, this was maybe at the start or the middle of September uh, we spoke with Evelyn O'Keefe who's chair of the Charnival Community Forum and they were campaigning for more public bus services for the Chernobyl area. In fact, they just wanted public transport to operate properly in Chernobyl. There was no early morning service or late morning service, which meant everybody living in the area, if you were traveling either to Cork or Limerick, physically had to drive because the timetables were not matching, even though there is expressway services by bus and the train is going through Chernobyl. So, uh, on that, uh, there's some good news coming uh, from that campaign. Uh, they have been successful, they tell us in the email. And the first bus for the new route, which is the 320 route to Limerick, will arrive in Chernobyl on the 24th of October at 7.25am. And for any students who are heading to UL or to LIT, there are new city bus routes. They have been added from the city centre to get people onwards to the colleges. And these are starting and they have started earlier this week. Uh, But this was all confirmed by the NT and Bus Aaron this morning via uh, the Chernobyl Community Forum. So they felt highlighting it on the radio really helped their campaign. We're glad of that, Evelyn we're glad to give you a chance to do that and So far, it's working in the right direction. So there's a new bus route going through Charleville. So if you are working in Charleville now and you were one of those who was uh, sick of commuting by your car and sick of the fact that there's buses going through, uh, but they weren't stopping and trains not stopping in Charnelville as well, they were just bypassing the town, even though they were physically driving through or going through the railway tracks on the town. The new 320 bus route now uh, leaving Charleville on the 24th of October at 7.25am heading to Limerick. So some good news there. I'm sure we'll hear more uh, from uh, those who wish to go to the other side of things now and travel to Cork. Uh, I have more emails, I'll get through those later in the show. Our lines are open though 0818 103 103 You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103, 103. And had a, a lovely evening yesterday evening in Ross Carberry because the latest Celtic Ross Hotel West Cork Sports Star Monthly Awards uh, they went to, of course our gold winning rowers Finton McCarthy and Paul O'Donovan for winning gold at the World Rowing Championships and then along with them we had Eva Casey who won bronze at the same championships uh, Paul's mother Trish she represented him last night and of course the Celtic Ross Hotel West Cork Sports Star Awards are run in conjunction with C103 and the Southern Star but great to catch up with all the gang from Skibbereen Rowing Club who can be very proud uh, of uh, the three who were there last night and indeed all the members of the Rowing Club great to meet up with them again and Uh, We were chatting and and interviews with Bodifa and uh, Fintan will run uh, across the weekend on our various sports shows. But, you know, we've got to know them over the years. We've got to know them all from 2012 and, and watch them grow you could say into the Olympics in 2016 and then onwards again into what they're achieving now and they're amazing young people so again I think everybody across the whole of Ireland uh, is proud of Fintan, Paul and Aoife and of course Aoife is the daughter of the Dominic Casey the well-known Dominic uh, who trains all those fantastic athletes out of Skibberine Rowing Club so a big well done a big cheer for all in Skib.
4: C103's Free Fuel Friday. With East
3: Cork Oil, serving Cork City
0: and County and across Munster. For locations, see your local oil company.ie. Always local.
3: And all day today, we're giving you 100 euros fuel vouchers. They're going to be given away with C103's Free Fuel Friday. You can fill up the tanker indeed heat your home. C103's Free Fuel Friday with East Cork Oil, serving Cork City and County and across Munster for locations. See your local oil company dot IE. Always local, only on C103. You need to figure out who the star in the car is To win the 100 euros fuel voucher which many of us need at the moment fuel vouchers with the rising cost of everything anyhow who is the star in the car don't text just yet we'll look for answers shortly but have a listen figure out who this could be and we'll ask you to text them later but can you figure who it out who this could be first and write it down somewhere keep it safe who is this
5: we have the dog back actually the dog we had uh, for only a, a minute before before she was returned was way better behaved
3: We'll ask you to text in later, but for the moment, if you can figure out who our star in the car is, keep it safe. We'll let you know when to call and text shortly.
4: C-103 Jobs.
3: And food and beverage personnel are required for the Fairgrove Hotel and Clon-Bil- Clongibbon House in Mitchellstown. Uh, full and part-time positions are available. You can email fairgrovehotel at gmail.com. And a site dumper and general operative is wanted for Corp McSherry. Email your CV to jobs at HamiltonFrinch.com. And a van driver is wanted to deliver to pharmacies across Cork City and County. Training will be provided. You can email your CV to Tim timfreightspeed.ie. You'll find these jobs and much more online now. Just go to c103.id forward slash jobs. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
4: Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103
3: 103. The public dental service is failing children who are waiting up to 10 years for screening. That's according to the Irish Dental Association, which says says 76 dentists are needed immediately to bring the service back to the levels it had 15 years ago. The organisation says understaffed lack of resources is to blame for the delays. And our chief executive is Fintan Horaghan, who joins me. Good morning to you, Fintan. Well, John uh, It's unusual to hear of some children not getting appointments until a decade after they're supposed to. And with this, dentists seeing the children now are telling us that the neglect they see from those who are going into their surgeries after years of not getting any screenings.
0: No, that unfortunately is very true. So what is supposed to happen is that this is a service run by the HSE. It's uh, made up and provided by public-only dentists they should see children in second, fourth and sixth class in primary school. But I'm talking to you from Port Leash. And in fact, here in Leash, it's transition year in secondary school before they're actually seeing what are no longer children for the first time. So, yes, where where uh, dentists don't see children at an early age, the, the great risk is that there will be decay, there will be a need to have teeth extracted and there can be other problems and that's now becoming uh, obvious when children then go to a dentist eventually and, you know, the damage is done, unfortunately.
3: And the school dental programme, the HSC one, is that still running?
0: Yes, it's uh, running, albeit it's, uh, you know, probably less than 50% capacity because... There's been such an exodus of dentists retired over the years that have never been replaced. The population has increased over the last while. Uh, were, the, the same dentists are now being asked to look at uh, other groups. That in addition to children, and special care patients, they're seeing refugees. And of course, they're also affected by the collapse of the medical care scheme for adults. And some of those adults are now presented to HSE
3: obviously we have a shortage of dentists and then we have the issues within the uh, public service uh, regarding the, the i suppose the, the lack of dentists in the country we are aware of a, a number of them here in the cork area who simply say they are just choosing to go private now because they're frustrated with the public health service and how it treats them
0: that is the, 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 that is very true uh, of course not everyone has has the option uh, of going private and you know, I think what's, what's important to, to say is that this is a service which is there for for school screening, but it's also to looking for the most vulnerable, many of whom don't have the option uh, of going elsewhere for, for dental care. And at the end of the day, what this reflects is that successive governments haven't seen oral health and dentistry as a priority, have allowed it to collapse, haven't um, made any serious efforts to deal with the problems. We are consistently highlighting this issue. Uh, but it's it's got to a stage where if children are being seen in transition year in secondary school instead of in sex, second class in primary school, so they're nearly 10 years too late, um, I think, you know, in the current day uh, that that's, that's a damning indictment of the service and, and the it- politicians who run it.
3: And I mentioned there regarding dentists and their relationship with the public health service and why some are just choosing to look at private patients. On the other side of that, parents basically are picking up the shortfall and they're paying out for the lack of service they should be receiving from the public service.
0: Absolutely. I mean, everyone is entitled to a, a service from the government, from the HSE. They have actual rights to health care. They paid their taxes, uh, but nobody seems to think that the government uh, should be held accountable for it. Uh, This isn't something that people should tolerate and I think they should contact their local CDs and ask them why they're failing in in, in the basic uh, requirements to ensure that health services are available uh, to uh, all of the people who who are supposed to receive this care.
3: And as you say, some are being seen for the first time when they're aged 15 or 16. This must be having a knock-on effect then for those who need orthodontic treatment
0: it is and i should say in cork probably that the prevailing arrangement is that uh the uh, children are seen in sixth class so it's not as bad as here in the midlands uh, but it, you know it, sixth class is way too late and yes you know when when uh children are seen uh, in sixth class or at that later stage it has an impact in terms of whether the the, the assessment for orthodontic treatment is, is delayed but also to say that you know, that the, the, there may be caries or dental disease. There may be uh, teeth which could otherwise have been saved or filled uh, now have to be extracted. And there are lots of other problems as well. And, you know, we would always say uh, as, as a dental profession that really uh, children should be seeing a dentist, uh, while some people would say as early as 12 months, but certainly long before, you know, four or five. And when when the service that was set up, and it's set up on a safety net basis to ensure every family is seen because it's run via the schools. And when that's taken away, then the inevitable is that, yes, children's oral health will suffer. <laughs>
3: And when you mentioned there about systems being set up for children we are also very much aware as you were of the medical card scheme we still have a number of people who are on to us who cannot access a dentist as their local dentist is not taking those uh, medical card patients so I spoke to a man Fintan just last week he didn't want to go on air but he spoke to me off air and he has a toothache it's got worse over the last two to three weeks and like a story we covered that came out of Wexford earlier on this year he's simply thinking Of pulling the tooth out of his own head and just suffering on because he can't get to a dentist and things are getting worse for him. Uh, I mean, that's the reality of where we are with the medical card scheme at this stage.
0: Well, likewise, yeah. The medical card scheme, the government is well aware of the problem. They've seen an exodus of dentists. Uh, Dentists do want to have a scheme in place which allows everyone to access dental care. The medical card scheme was uh, an attempt to provide that care, it dates back to the 90s. It was in need of replacement many years ago, but over COVID especially, especially dentists said, look, this is just completely untenable. It's uh, All of the rules and restrictions in terms of the care we can provide aren't acceptable anymore. They were certainly not uh, covering their costs providing the care. And we had warned the government for years, and again, we would repeat the call today to ask the government, ask the Department of Health to come and talk to us about a new scheme we ha- we've put a lot of effort into preparing for those, those discussions we have new ideas to bring but in the meantime as you say patients are suffering and I, I do hope that that gentleman can find someone to help them.
3: And while you outline there what's happening regarding the children and then with, with the medical card scheme uh, would you have to agree and say the dental service is the poor relation of the HSE?
0: Well I think all the evidence suggests that you know that that's undoubtedly the case you know people used to say it's the cinderella service but you know i think if it was if it was actually regarded as cinderella service it would be a whole lot better than it currently is you know dental health is is integral to good oral health it's so important for you know everyday eating uh in, in having having a, a healthy smile it, it ha- impacts on people's opportunities in terms of going for work interviews Time off work—it's it, you know all of the all of the everyday things, but it's essentially to good o- to good oral health and good general health that you're seeing a dentist regularly. And the state does have a duty to sit down and work with us on a scheme that ensures that everyone, regardless of their income, has a- access to basic dentistry. And that's just simply not happening.
3: Yeah, a duty of care for the moment, Fintan. I uh, would we'll wait and see what happens. But thanks for joining us this morning on the program. Thank you. That is Fintan Horan there, who is Chief Executive of the Irish Dental Association and the reality of what is happening within our dental service for both adults and indeed uh, for children. Fire Safety Week is next week and to discuss more, I'm joined by George Walsh of Old Fire Station. Good morning to you, George. Uh, good morning, Jesse. And thanks for joining us. I suppose Fire Safety Week is focusing on safety within the home and within the home, from your experience, where can be the most common place where fires occur?
8: Yeah, um, JP I suppose just to to start there, it's National Fire Safety Week as you say there next week and it's uh Fire Safety Week, we have it every October. And this year there's a team for it about working smoke alarms save lives and have you got a plan in place. So uh for most most house fires that we would have would start in in the living room, uh, kitchen areas and kitchen areas in a home. Um, so we'd encourage people there to make sure that they have a their home is safe before they're going to bed, particularly at night time.
3: You mentioned kitchen areas there. We've seen people, some of these might be energy uh, cost savers and commentators who were saying that many people should put on their washing machine or dishwasher at night. And when that was mentioned, we had a flood of calls and a lot of people who work as electricians saying, no, do not put it on at night because something could happen and it could spark a fire. Uh, Would you agree with those about not leaving certain appliances run overnight?
8: Yeah, I suppose we'd be looking at nighttime there for, as regards for fire safety in the home. That people should have a, a complete nighttime checklist, and one of them would be not to be leaving any unnecessary electrical items uh, switched on overnight. Um, if people did decide to use those appliances overnight, then maybe they might consider putting an extra smoke alarm into a utility room if that's where it is. Um, make sure that they have an escape plan to get out of the house if there was a fire developing overnight and to make sure that the appliances are regularly serviced to make sure that they're working uh, the way that they should be.
3: And outside of appliances, I mean, what can be the next biggest cause? We always hear a lot about charging your phone at night and many people were guilty of that. we will have the phone on all day, it starts dying in the evening and we charge it overnight. Uh, But we have heard of, and we have seen you know, firsthand how a phone charger can, for some reason, spark a fire.
8: Yeah, again, I suppose once the phone is charged to unplug the charger, um, I suppose you'll save your money on on your charging electricity then as well. Um, But most common causes of fires in the home are from people smoking when tired, not putting out the cigarettes properly, uh, candles being left unattended. Again, uh, if if you are going to bed at night time, a candle not being put out properly. Uh, Chip pans, deep fat fires left unattended, Uh, people getting too close to heaters and fires dirty ovens and extractor hoods not being cleaned properly, um, older faulty electrical items, um and overloaded plug sockets and, and faulty electrical wiring. So again it is important that everyone make sure that any appliances that they have in the home are serviced properly and make sure they're working the, the way they should be
3: and you mentioned there regarding smoke alarms and why most homes have them it's always good to know if they're working because they can be on the ceiling as you're aware George but sometimes batteries will run out so you'd encourage I presume everybody to test their smoke alarms within their homes
8: yeah, um, we encourage people there to test their smoke alarms at least once a week in the home. And to do that, there's a button on the front of the alarm. Um, sometimes it's coloured red or orange. If you just press in that button, the alarm will activate. Once once it activates, then you release the button and the alarm will stop. Um, look, we don't encourage people to be standing up on ladders or chairs or tables. So if you can't reach it from the ground, you could maybe use the handle of a brush. We'll push in that button and it'll do the same thing. Um, as well as that, uh, we ask people to clean their smoke alarms as well. So if you're doing a bit of hoovering there, you could just run it over the cover of the smoke alarm. It will just take out any dust particles that are inside it that may help uh, That'll help to make sure that it works efficiently as well. And every 12 months, um, you should change your battery in the smoke alarm um, as well so that, that makes sure that the battery is fully charged. And after every 10 years, uh, it's recommended by the manufacturers that the smoke alarm that you have is taken down and replaced by the new, a new one there's actually a, an expiry date of smoke alarms it's printed on on all the alarms both battery operated and mains operated alarms so after 10 years you should be replacing your smoke alarm with a new one
3: and sh- should we take further measures as well and get more in our homes outside of smoke alarms so some people would invest in fire blankets and, and other uh, equipment
8: yeah, and if people wish to do so, that they're quite entitled to do that. Um, if people do use a smoke alarm or sorry, a fire blanket, um the fire blanket should only be used once and once it's used it should be replaced by a new one as well. But um within the fire service we don't encourage people to be putting themselves in danger. If they do have a fire in the home, we'd ask them to dial 999 or 112 and request the fire service to attend the incident so that we know that it's dealt dealt with in a safe manner and that um, there isn't an issue arising afterwards if you think you have the fire put out yourself.
3: Mm. And you mentioned there about going out to fires. I presume over the years, as your work within the fire service, you have attended many house fires. Uh, I mean, usually the reality, what people hear, can be the best safety advice. When you do go out to a home and there is a major fire and you see the, flames, I mean first of all as a crew I presume you're trying to get the best way in and out of a house and thinking of the best route in Uh, but just for an example of people who have never been in that situation, I mean just to describe that feeling of trying to go in and get people out or trying to put out a a house fire.
8: Yeah I suppose well the main thing that we'd be concerned about when we pull up at a a house fire is to make sure that everybody is accounted for and that everybody is out of the home you know Um, that there's no lost life um, after that, then we'll just go about our job uh, the way that we we've been trained to do, and we'll deal with the incident as, as it crops up. You know, um, again, we'd be asking people if they are ringing the fire service to give as much information as they can, as that will help us to be be organising a plan on the way out to before we arrive at the incident, and it will also let us know do we need extra resources or extra people there to to help us deal with the incident.
3: Yeah, so you're aware who's in the house and on what the house is like so you, you know what you're dealing with and when it comes to house fires uh, what is behaviour like in Cork I mean uh, have we a higher rate of house fires than other parts of the country or, or how are we doing here? Uh,
8: so just for uh, in 2021 uh, Cork County Fire Services we dealt with 1,926 incidents and of those 306 were fire related in houses so it's slightly down on previous years uh, which is a good thing Um So most of the people that are at significant risk are, especially those that are living alone and those over 65. Uh, As you said, at the start there, most of our fires start in the living room, followed by the bedroom and the kitchen area. And most of these fatal fires uh, occur between midnight to 9 a.m. So, again, that's bringing us back to using our white goods there overnight. It's a thing that we wouldn't recommend, you know.
3: Yeah so just be careful and as we mentioned about the appliances I think the majority of people at this stage even though they might like to use them overnight uh, will have to figure out a way about outside the main electricity hours to use them because I don't know how many electricians I've seen in the last week or so are telling people no and I know you mentioned there you could have a smoke alarm in the utility room but still uh, I suppose overall it's better to be safe than sorry Uh, and the fire service yourselves how was life in the fire service you're obviously kept busy I presume?
8: Yeah, it's it's busy most of the times. Look, we're we're retain service, so we're not in the station like the, the uh. full time stations. Um, so we respond to calls as we get them. So yeah, it's 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 a good job. It's a, a rewarding job, and you're giving something back to the community. Um, so so yeah, it's it, it's something good to be doing.
3: So you're the, as you say, the retained firefighter. So when you hear, I, I presume it's the same and y'all. Most towns have the the kind of signal goes off, and the whole town can hear the the the, the siren going off. You then rush to the fire station, and then uh, jump into the fire truck, I presume, and rush to the scene.
8: Yeah. So when we arrive, uh, when we arrive in the in the station, all the information will be there on like a fax machine or a telex there. Uh, so what happens if you have a call? You will ring nine 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 or one one two. You'll get through to an operator and they'll put you then through to our fire control centre, which is based in Limerick, and they cover all the fire stations uh, in Munster, both full-time and retained, as as we are ourselves here in Yall. And um, They'll ask you the questions then that they need to know, such as your name, your address, your air code, uh, the nature of the incident, so if it's a fire. Uh, again, is everybody accounted for in, in the home? Is there, Do we know where everybody is? Is there any extra dangers that we should be aware of? And just one or two things on that there, and... Um, the air code there, we're all using our air. the air codes there um, more and more. Um, they are allowing us to pinpoint houses, especially if we're going out into rural areas. Um, it's allowing us to get to an incident a bit quicker. So everyone was uh, allocated an air code there over the last few years. So we encourage people to know their air code as well and also to have it in a place in, in the home that other people that may be calling from such as a family, fr- friend or neighbour, um, that they would know where it is as well in, in the event that they have to call the emergency services for us. Um, again, we, the more information that we can have going out to an incident, the better. So if you do come across something, uh, don't assume that somebody else is ringing the emergency services. Make the call yourself.
3: Yeah, true. And that air code is important. If you can learn off your air code, do, but still have a place somewhere where uh, those visiting can see it as well. Uh, good advice, George. And thanks for joining us. And best of luck to you uh, and all the uh, crew uh, who do great work in our fire service right across Cork. Okay, thank you very much. Take thank care. You. Thanks, George. George Walsh there uh, joining us from Yole Fire Station ahead of Fire Safety Week, which is next week. Now, how about some free fuel?
4: C103's Free Fuel Friday. With
0: East Cork
3: Oil, serving Cork City and County
0: and across Munster. For locations, see your local oil company. IE. Always local.
3: All day today, we're giving away 100 euros worth of fuel vouchers with C103's Free Fuel Friday. You can fill up your tank or heat the home. C103's Free Fuel Friday with East Cork Oil, serving Cork City and County and across Munster for locations. See your local oil company dot IE. Always local on C103. You need to identify who the star in the car is. Who is this?
5: dog back actually the dog we had uh, for only a, a minute before before she was returned was way better behaved
3: now any idea who that is uh, someone on whatsapp is saying any clue well we did kind of give a hint earlier on we spoke about this incident i call it at this stage we spoke about this maybe about two or three weeks ago involving somebody taking the wrong thing i'll say Uh, from where they were collecting this and bringing it home. I'll say no more because the clue is in this one more time. Who is it?
5: We have the dog back. Actually, the dog we had uh, for only a a minute before before she was returned was way better behaved.
3: Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 to win a €100 fuel voucher for East Cork All 4.
4: Three's free fuel Friday with
3: East Cork Oil serving Cork City and County
0: and across Munster. For locations, see your local oil company. IE always local. Hey,
3: And all day today, we're giving you a chance to win 100 euro fuel vouchers for East Cork Oil with C103's Free Fuel Friday. You can fill up the tank or just heat your home. We wanted you to identify who our star in the car is. So who did you think this was?
5: We have the dog back. Actually, the dog we had uh, for only a a minute before, before she was returned was way better behaved.
3: Well, we had a lot of interesting answers on this, but let's go to the phone lines. Olivia O'Sullivan is in Bantry. Afternoon to you, Olivia. Hi, how are you? I'm fine. Now had you figured out who our star in the car is? Um Amy Homervan. In? Indeed. Well done. Congratulations. Excellent. Uh, you have won yourself the €100 Euros fuel voucher for East Cork Oil. They serve Cork City and County and across Munster and we will be in touch on how to get your prize. Did you hear that story, though, Olivia, about, <laughs> about Amy, what she was talking about regarding the dog? Oh, I did, yeah. <laughs> Brian picked up the wrong dog. <laughs> he did. Now, we said it at the time here, many people said you could not possibly do that. Well, he did it. But I don't know, I mean, have you a dog, first of all, yourselves? I do, yeah now if you went along and got the dog groomed could you pick out your dog or if you were in a rush which I think Brian was rushing uh, and picked up the wrong dog I mean uh, would it be possible
8: yeah, I think it would be possible but <laughs> I, I don't think I'd do it personally but I <laughs> could, could understand how it happened
3: yeah I could too I was just a feeling that he was like a typical lad rushing in going I must collect the dog uh, and next thing arrives back and Amy realises this isn't our dog anyhow that's where the clip came from and yeah. you've won yourself 100 euros worth Thanks of free man. fuel well, what going to spend it on is it going to heat the home or fill
8: the car oh fill the car definitely
3: I definitely fill the car where yeah. do you a lot
9: yourself um from Bantry
3: yeah okay so where do you, do you work come in handy. you work in Skibberine obviously where where in Skib do you work
9: um in Wolfen
3: Coast Oh, oh well say hello to all the gang there for us Thanks very much. <laughs> Enjoy spending and the €100 Euros fuel vouchers Thanks and have an easier commute. Olivia O'Sullivan in gertine in Bantry. Uh, stay listening. More ways to win. Free Fuel Friday continues. Nick Richards is along from 1 and Martina O'Donoghue. She'll have more fuel vouchers to give away from 4 to 7 here at C103 along with East Cork Oil. If you want further locations for them, go to... Your local oil ie. They're always local only here at C103. Now, a lot of calls and comments in on various issues to the programme. First of all, on the NCT and many people when they have got their NCT uh, they realise that even though they're waiting for a number of months to go along to the centres the search they get is when the actual NCT is out and as a lot of people are saying that's the way it works it goes from the date of the search unfortunately and some people are not happy over the that because it's not their fault as they're waiting for the NCT. Uh, here's first of all from Eddie. Eddie is a mallow. He says if you get your NCT done it should be dated from the date of the NCT. It's not your fault. The test was delayed. It should be backdated for 12 months from the time of the test. It's no wonder there are such long delays. Eddie feels this is becoming a money-making racket. While Martin is in for he feels they need at this stage, and some people have alluded to this earlier as well, just to get rid of it. Because if there's Something wrong with your car, you would just get it fixed, or at least anyone with a brain would. Uh, Also, Martin's NCT. Well it's due for February 2023 and guess what? He thinks his car will have a lot of issues and a lot of things wrong with it because of the disgraceful state of the Main Street in Formoy which he has to drive 3 or 4 times a day It is a total and utter disgrace. I'm actually thinking of sending the council a bill because I got two punchers from that Main Street in the last month I'm sick of it. What are our local councillors doing at all? Why aren't they doing something to get that road repair it to St Martin in Fermoy. Well we did speak to local Fermoy councillors on that and while they are campaigning and I suppose doing the best they can uh, approaching Cork County Council who will then have to get on the TII because it's considered a national route as it goes uh, via onto Waterford so even though it's a main street in Fermoy, it's not the council, it's the TII, it's a national road uh, believe it or not so Transport, Infrastructure, Ireland they'll be the ones who will have to now look after that road uh, and the National Roads Authority uh, all of those in one will be dealing with this uh, so as the council have to contact them uh, so that possibly is one of the delays uh, but if they're working on it well they're discussed it enough so we would say they are working on it but it's uh, going to dublin uh, that's what's the problem there is Martin and when dates will be given further resurfacing we'll have to wait and see and con is asking when we spoke and staying on the nct uh, what is the position with your insurance and an out-of-date nct disc are you covered in the event of an accident Well we were discussing this earlier Uh, I was with uh, Kieran O'Donnell, the Limerick deputy who is the chair of the Roctus Transport Committee and yes, as I mentioned to him, insurance companies do want answers because when it comes to the Gardaí, uh, most Gardaí in the road, even though you should be driving with an NCT, a valid NCT, the majority of the Gardaí realised that if you have your booking and your date for your NCT, it's not your fault, it's the system and they're up to date with that. Insurance companies are the same, they realise that if you have your booking, uh, they know there's a massive delay, and the majority of insurance companies will, like the Gardie, take that. But as I said to Kieran earlier, it's still, even though that is the way it's going it's still not correct. So you could have situations where a guard may say no or the insurance company could say no. Now, what's coming in from this is that if your car is in good roadworthy condition, you should be fined. Uh, Even if you have an accident after your NCT expiry date, uh, you should be okay if you have your booking for your NCT uh, and the insurance companies understand what is happening. Uh, But then if you're driving a car, that is not really up to roadworthiness. That is kind of more or less falling apart. And the NCT is out of date. Uh, there could be questions on that, so that is why they want this sorted. But overall, you should be okay. Uh, Bush again saying that this is why it's raised in the Rocktas committee. Who's to say that someone may, some insurance company may say no uh, that your NCT is out of date? Overall, I would think like the guardie, ninety eight percent of them do understand. If you have a booking, uh, they understand that. Uh, Bush, you know, they are. Obviously enough asking questions at this stage, what is going on? and staying uh, on matters we were discussing this morning and this is something that came in to us on email and it's to do with phones so if you may me uh, with uh, Vodafone or unpost Mobile you may have noticed this uh, because uh, Michael on email uh, says I am an unpost Mobile user and I got noticed that they are changing their data allowance and their phone plans and I got notice on Wednesday the 12th so Wednesday this week you got a text saying it's all changing from the 18th of October and that will be next Tuesday so they're going to change their allowances they give you for your data Uh, he says I think we should have got a month's notice of the change is there something that they have to give you a certain amount of time I hope you can highlight this well uh, interesting that it's on post because also on post runs of the Vodafone network so it's their own company but they use the Vodafone's transmission network and Vodafone are also announcing that they are increasing uh, their prices for customers for home broadband but also for our mobile phones and for the pay-as-you-go, the top-up for the mobile phones and how you use that, that is all increasing as well. But with unpost uh, we did contact them and they say, and they're saying it's advanced noticed that uh, they are launching new totally unlimited plans uh, for data, calls and texts. And at the same time, those who were on the current data allowance, uh, which is 50 gigabytes, that plan will change now to just 25 gigabytes. So they're reducing uh, your amount of data, but it will still be the same price you're paying of 15 euros Why your data reduces, but the unlimited calls and text remains that's coming from Ampost can they do that it seems in the terms and conditions of most of our contracts with phone companies they can and uh, we have asked this before with Dermot Jewell and myself uh, Michael I'm in a similar situation when it comes to broadband Vodafone uh, have increased the broadband and even though I'm in a contract with them they just send you a letter saying it's increasing and if you go through the terms and conditions of your original uh, contract with them somewhere in there you will see a clause and you will say that they can do that so unfortunately if it's in the contract and and as the Consumer Association of Ireland say to us, the majority of the time it is, uh, they can. Uh, but thank you, Michael, for your email. Uh, you can email us, cork today at c103.ie. And can we help this person who, at 5 30 am this morning, uh, was, it's a farmer, pushing a, a flash lamp on a road. And the reason he was doing this was he was moving his cattle across the road. So the lamp was to alert drivers. When he came back out of the field, the lamp had been taken. Now it's an expensive lamp. He wants to know if anybody was travelling on this road and this road was the temporary site. If you're going from Kilworth to Ballyparine, if you were on that road uh, this morning at around 5.30am uh, did you see anybody in and around the place because this farmer's lamp was stolen or maybe he thinks that someone picked it up by accident. Well uh, I don't know what you've been doing on the road at that hour picking somebody up by accident. Anyway um, it hasn't been lost, more or less taken so if anybody can help out we have their number and we can pass that on to you. Now, a number of students took to the streets yesterday. They were protesting mainly because of the lack of accommodation here in Cork and indeed right across the country. Uh, Isabel Kavna of the MTU Student Union, she's president of the union. She spoke with our reporter Katie O'Keefe and also later you will hear from students who took part in the protest. But first here is Katie speaking with Isabel Kavna.
9: We've had students coming to us that they, they started off trying to commute to college because they didn't get accommodation and then when they figured out they couldn't get parking here they couldn't get the bus because the routes aren't the, the routes just aren't up to scratch and um, so they just said it's, it's not worth their while wasting their petrol to come out here just to have to go home again and not be able to go to their class so people are definitely thinking of dropping out and um, i think there's going to be an absolute mental health crisis straight after this people are going to be absolutely at their wits end um with nowhere to live so yeah and since the budget has there been any like Conversation between local representatives, government, anything? Um, no one has come particularly to me to talk about it. Um, I, I think the government are aware that we aren't happy with the announcement of the budget. Um, while we did appreciate this, the, the bit that they did, it definitely wasn't enough to help our students. Um, I would be open to having a chat with local local TDs and the government on it um, to see if there's any more we can talk about it. Um, I know that the university in general met Simon Harris recently with myself and we outlined the st- the struggle students are facing then at our strategy launch in MTU Kerry. Um, so he's definitely aware that it's still a problem. I want them to hear that students are struggling and students are the future and they won't be able to be their best their best self with the crises that are happening at the moment. They can't even can't go, get into class so in turn their attendance is dropping, their academic standards are dropping, their grades are dropping and eventually they're, they're just going to drop out and we're going to lose the future of tomorrow because of these crises. It's actually cheaper for an Irish student to go to Europe. They're They have higher chances of getting accommodation and the college fees are way cheaper than paying in Ireland. And when they go over there, they're probably going to meet a partner, they're going to make new friends and they're going to make home in that country that they're in college in. People say that anyone that gets a degree from ireland is guaranteed to get a job outside of ireland but if you stay in ireland with your degree you're not getting the job just to help us out like there's no point in don't be coming back with subsidies though because you're only putting monies in circles you're only taking money from our parents out of the tax space and giving a straight back you're only going in circles with subsidies really you're better off with some sort of rent
3: cap or some sort of transport cap or free travel for students or something just to help us along. Like we're struggling
8: as it is.
9: I've looked for accommodation and I was offered a house for five people in it for about four fifty a month. But you'd have to add your bills onto that with your food and everything with that. So at the moment all I'm doing is commuting because that's actually cheaper even though it takes an hour and a half, two hours depending on the traffic.
6: I can't afford the laptop to do my assignment.
9: And I found it extremely difficult to find accommodation. I must have gone to six or seven different viewings in two weeks. And, you know, like the state of the places I was looking
3: at. I'm lucky I have a job. I'm working nine to five Saturday and Sunday. But, like, that's barely keeping you going. You know, you are trying to look for money off parents and you feel bad because they're trying to pay fees and they're trying to pay accommodation as it is. Like, it's a struggle. And then you're trying to have a social life too. We're always told students, like, best time of your life. But you're struggling. Like, it's you're on a budget straight away. Like, it's not fair, really. And that students protesting across Cork yesterday on the accommodation crisis, which unfortunately does continue. Our lines are open 0818 103 103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And Trevor Welch is here tomorrow on c103.ie with Premier League live. He's here from Midday, powered by TalkSport, and he'll bring you live coverage of Leicester taking on Crystal Palace at 12.30, Wolves taking on Nottingham Forest at 3, and Spurs taking on Everton at 5.30. The Premier 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 League live online with Harvey Norman your home of the big screen you can listen Saturdays on the C103 app or go to c103.ie and then from the Premier League to GAA and this weekend the Co-op Superstore's Cork Hurling Championship Finals take place at Parky Cueve first up it's Buddy Giblin taking on Tracton in the Premier Junior tomorrow evening at 5 o'clock and of course Sunday sees the double header with the Premier Intermediate between Castle Martyr and Innescara at 2 o'clock followed by the Premier Senior Decider as Black Rock take on St. Fembers at 4pm. All those games are live here on C103. Paddy Palmer commentating on the Castle Martyr in the Scarra game and then of course John Cashman bringing you live commentary of the Black Rock and St. Fembers match all on C103 right across the weekend and on Cork Sports Sunday with Rory Burke who will also have match build up tomorrow morning on C103 Sports Breakfast from 8am. The
4: C103 Cork Diary.
3: With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the
0: support they need at corkcoco.ie
3: Mallow Search and Rescue are helping with Ukrainians' appeal for blankets and sleeping bags to be sent to hospitals in Kiev. The Search and Rescue Unit in Mallow is designated drop-off point and you can go along there on this evening and indeed tomorrow this evening from 7 to 8.30pm and tomorrow from 10am to 2pm and Clon Bannon's journey through the War of Independence from 1920 to 1921 will be commemorated by a two-part documentary with the first screening that is taking place uh, this evening. It's in Drumtarv Parish Hall at 7 o'clock and O'Sullivan's Late Night Pharmacy in Bandon. At the moment, until 4.30pm, they're holding a drive through coffee and cake sale. It's an aid of Bandon and surrounding areas, Breast Cancer Support Group and Middleton GAA Bingo is going ahead this evening at 7.30 Part today on scene
4: 103. Call Patricia with your comment.
3: 103, 103 Finally, on the NCT, a lot of people making this point And Anthony on text saying the NCT, he feels, anyhow, was always a racket. This 12 month extension during COVID. And now with this waiting list, how is it really a safety concern when people are allowed these extensions? The system should be changed and people should be allowed go to a local registered garage and then send the for them to send on the results to a database centre says Anthony on text and I think Anthony a lot of people are agreeing with you on that and making the same point this morning now Focus Ireland this afternoon at this stage Focus Ireland and Borgos Energy have called on people across the country to take part in this year's Shine a Light which takes place tonight Pat Dean is CEO with Focus Ireland and he joins me this afternoon good afternoon to you Pat Good afternoon, John Paul, how are you? I'm fine and thanks for joining us. And this is your flagship fundraising project. And at a time, I suppose, where your services were more important than ever, looking at your annual report, you know, you've helped so many people, first of all, to avoid homelessness and then uh, to leave a homeless situation. But would you say, Pat, that following the budget, there's been a lot of poor political decisions because now we have a situation where more landlords are setting up and leaving the market?
10: (laughs) Yes, indeed, John Paul. We, 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 that's an issue that we've highlighted. Um, you referred to our annual report launch, which just happened this week on Tuesday, and uh, we highlighted the fact there that for the last two months running, Um, Unfortunately, we've beaten our own national record for homelessness. Uh, We now have 10,805 people as of the end of August officially homeless in this country. Uh, And that's risen significantly from just May last year when there was approximately 8,000 people homeless. Um, That's a fairly catastrophic um, rise in the numbers. Um, And Shine a Light Night tonight is one way that people can combat that. Uh, We use Shine Light Night for two reasons, one is to raise the the awareness for the issue of homelessness and to get people involved in its solution and secondly also to raise badly needed funds for to fund our services for people in in that position.
3: And where the money that is raised, what does it fund, just give an example of where the money goes to further services.
10: Certainly, yeah. We, we, we're Shine uh, Light Night is running for 10 years now. The first event was in uh, the Ivy Gardens in Dublin in, in 2020. So, sorry, excuse me, 2012. Uh, so it's our 10th anniversary, but we've had it around the country on the same night. Um, this year in Cork, it's in Spike Island, and in Demerick, it's in the Hunt Gallery. And... Um, but the money has gone to providing direct frontline services uh, for people in that position. So two examples possibly of what we've, we've done with some of that funds over the years is we've opened uh, a specific family homelessness centre uh, which has a reach across the country uh, but has it deals with the issue of family homelessness and directly has a, a case management and child support services for people that have fallen into that position. A second example maybe is that we we opened a mediation centre service uh particularly designed for, for young people uh to work with them and their families to make sure that maybe they could get back into their into their family environment or maybe into their extended family environment and, and avoid the issue of homelessness or the risk of it.
3: And when you mentioned those services, which do provide uh, a great sense of relief as well to those who find themselves in that situation, and I've heard of this before coming into what Martin is in for my. He's asking, he lived on Spike Island for a time, but he's wondering could Focus Ireland ask the government to either build houses on islands like Spike so that the homeless would be able to live there? I'm sure that's something you would love to be able to ask the government to do so, but funding is always an issue.
10: Funding is an issue, and. Uh, the i think the gentleman i think he gave his name was martin yeah. He's dead right uh, in terms of the housing supply is a big issue um, i mentioned the rise in homelessness over the last couple of months over the last year um predominantly the people who are becoming homeless at the moment are becoming homeless from the private rented sector and um what we and they simply when they come out of that position uh, they end up themselves to go, they can't find a home to live in. So housing supply ultimately is the answer uh, to this. We have, have tried to demonstrate a way out of that uh, at Focus Ireland in that we're trying to build a further uh, 1,150 homes uh, over the five-year period of our strategy to really demonstrate how how they can make an impact on uh, homelessness. Under that strategy, we're aiming to take 5,000 people out of homelessness and we're uh, helping to um, prevent a further 3,000 people falling into that trap. Mark is dead right that housing supply is a big issue
3: and from what you explained there I've never had a week of so many people contacting us on this show who are just in desperate need of a home Uh, yesterday I spoke with a mother who has six kids she's living in her parents living room until she can find accommodation we had more in a similar situation and then yesterday students were out in force protesting because they can't uh, find accommodation where they are going to college and we uh, played that report earlier on in the show Uh, so it's having a knock on effect when you mentioned the private sector it's having a knock on effect everywhere isn't it I mean it's, it's those people who, who, are, who are renting off landlords private landlords are the ones that can't find those homes now
10: that's right it, it has an, it's having an impact across the country and in so many ways for young people and families for older people as well it's having an impact mm. right across the country
3: so tonight we're asking people to take part in Shine a Light for Focus Ireland you can sleep out in their homes in their back gardens if that's you're right. in a workplace at the moment shown to us you can arrange it now and sleep either in your workplace outside your workplace and basically as, you, as we've mentioned is to raise awareness to see what it is for a lot of people who are on our streets every night across our City across our county towns, and then uh, to provide vital funds for your services.
10: That's right, John Paul. There'll, there'll be a, a, there'll be a full night of activities on uh, social media on our websites. Uh, we're delighted to have the support of our chief sponsor in this, Borgosh Energy, who have been incredibly supportive over the years. Uh, we be the, the main business leaders event is happening from uh, Law Society in Blackwell Place in Dublin, but we also have events in Spike Island and in the Hunt Gallery in Limerick. Um, and and we're, we're really looking for people to engage with us on the night to maybe learn a little bit about the issue and, the, and our approach to it. Maybe hopefully support us in terms of fundraising and donations. And you can do that on our website online or maybe support some of our friends who are who are participating as well
3: well best of luck to you Pat tonight and all in Focus Ireland and to everybody who is sleeping out tonight uh, fundraising and making awareness uh, best of luck overnight uh, Pat thank you for joining us this afternoon thanks John so Paul take care that is Pat Deanigan there who is CEO with Focus Ireland on their shining light night uh, right across the country taking place tonight and of course here in Cork on Spike Island but I'm sure if any of you want to take part you can do that and take part with your workplace in your workplace outside your workplace or in your own backyard or backyard wherever you want to oh, wait, 18103103, text or WhatsApp 0862103103. There are our contact numbers, and we're going to check out what's in the movies and review them with Mark next.
4: Record today on C 103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 0862103103. And time to
3: head to the movies as usual on a Friday, joined by our movie reviewer, Mark Malone, who's waving at the other studio across <laughs> to me. Hello, Mark. Hi, John Paul. How are you? This is the first time we actually we've done in studio, well, for me, anyhow, since before the. Uh, all the changes for COVID and lockdowns. So there we are. Oh, there you go. There you go. Here we are. together again. On Friday afternoon talking about movies. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Let's first of all look at this one. Vengeance is the uh, trailer we're going to hear from First Fear, first movie, Mark. Here it is.
4: Okay. I'm in West Texas, where this family just lost their daughter to an opiate overdose. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's not someone I was close to. But you flew to Texas for it? Uh... Yes, uh, it was a girl I hooked up with a few times. Her family thought that we were more serious than I did. I've heard so much about you. I've, I've heard, yeah. Abilene just didn't die. She was murdered. What? The two of us, we going to avenge her death. So as like a personal boundary, I don't avenge deaths. But here's what I can do. I'm going to record everything that you think happened to Abilene. And we'll put it on a podcast, and we'll see where it leads. What evidence does he have that it was a murder? Nothing. And that's the story. What's this podcast about? A new American reality where people invent these conspiracies. You got deep state, hill pushers, cartels, the law. Because the truth is too hard to accept. My Prius exploded. Oh, my God. What if you are driving a real car with gas and stuff?
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good line.
3: It is, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> doesn't say much and there's really a lot of those. Uh, Well, yeah. Well, <laughs>
2: um, and there's a. Well, it was, yeah. You know, we're, we're talking about Texas here. We're talking about kind of oil company people, you know, who want real kind of muscle American cars. And that's what uh, that discussion was about. But that's a very, very good example of actually of the kind of humor in this. And there's a lot of that kind of stuff in it, which is good.
3: I saw the trailer. I watched that. And it's even from the trailer we played, you can feel it's a humorous film, but also there's a kind of a serious side underneath it. But it, it, it comes across as one of those ones you'd watch in a Saturday or Sunday afternoon for feel good am I right saying that well that's the thing
2: I mean it's in cinemas which is a, a surprise and it's the kind of film that doesn't make it to cinemas yeah. anymore and I think there's, there's a couple of reasons I mean first of all it's very very good it's, uh, it's written and directed by a guy by the name of B.J. Uh, Novak who you might not know the name but uh, he was in the American version of The Office and uh, this is brought to us by Bloomhouse Productions now Bloomhouse make normally kind of very cheap kind of uh, movies around 5 million dollars uh, they're normally kind of horror movies uh, which end up making 100 million dollars for them so so they do make you know huge profits, and it's good to see them kind of moving away from the kind of horror genre. And obviously, uh, they've looked at this, they've looked at uh, Bj Novak, they've looked at the script and thought, you know what I mean? We're we're going to back this, we're going to put backing to uh, behind us, and and produce it and put it out there. And so I presume that's why it's gotten to cinemas, because this is normally the kind of film that you would kind of download, uh, you know, or stream it, or it's the kind of thing with, that would turn up on film four, maybe like you say uh, at weekends, and you'd sit and you'd and you'd watch it. Um, it's not going to be to, for everybody's taste because it is very, very wordy, but in a very, very good way because I think it's very, very clever. It kind of reminds me kind of Woody Allen. I'm not a huge Woody Allen fan. I have to admit, Are you not? but yeah, and I know that you know Woody kind of tends to divide opinions, and uh, but and so it's that it's very much that kind of kind of level of kind of communication and uh, in in the film. And I was kind of figuring, I was kind of thinking, well, you know, do I do this one or do I do the second film, which is uh, the Greatest Beer Run, which is has which is has a huge, huge budget, but uh, this one. I went to see it, I paid good money to go into the cinema, so I thought I'd review uh, this one first. As the trailer says there, BJ Novak, he's a writer, he writes for The New Yorker, but he's also got a podcast. Uh, but he's also a kind of a, how can I put this, you know, he's, um, when it comes to women especially, he's, uh, he's a bit disrespectful, you know what I mean? He's kind of a fly-by-night kind of guy. And uh, a very good example of how the film kind of is going to be is in the opening scene, where he's talking to John Mayer, the pop star who's playing himself. Now, John Mayer has got a reputation for being a bit of a ladies' man, you know what I mean? A um, bit of a fly-by-night kind of character, do you know what I mean? And so they're discussing women, discussing women, and they're discussing that, yes, they use dating apps all the time, and, you know, they meet and they leave women. So they're, they're, they're kind of very kind of disrespectful when it comes to women. But it's that kind of conversation that they have. It's a good 10 minutes long, by the way. It does go on for a very long time. And again, it will depend on whether or not you've got the patience to be able to sit through kind of conversations like that, because there are a lot of those conversations in the film. He finds out that a girl that he hardly ever even knew has passed away in Texas her brother rings him and says look come down because I know that uh, you know you were her boyfriend he's like I, I don't even know this girl I, you know I've got nothing to do with this girl really but to kind of out of a sense of kind of duty almost he goes down there are photographs of him and the girl everywhere (laughs) the family think that they've had this incredible relationship that they're going to spend the rest of their lives together and he's like I don't even remember her name Uh, but he goes to the funeral he meets the family and as the film kind of progresses he begins to realise that uh, you know there's more to this but then also from a cynical point of view kind of a New York cynical point of view he's got a podcast and he decides you know these two crime podcasts are very popular right now so he kind of sees kind of cynically kind of this idea to kind of write a podcast about the story about this girl because her brother believes that uh, it wasn't an opioid uh, overdose, that in fact she was murdered and the brother wants uh, BJ Novak to help him find and track down and kill the murderer. So throughout the film BJ is on the phone, he's on the, uh, He's on his kind of phone or he's on a kind of a Zoom just recording his kind of thoughts and feelings about uh, how the case is progressing. But as it does progress he begins to realise just how much this girl meant to the family. He he begins to warm to the family and he begins to warm to the community uh, the, I, I suppose the only real person who people might know in this film is Ashton, uh, Ashton Kutcher who plays this kind of m- music producer this very articulate um, very very kind of uh, man who kind of had these kind of dream like kind of conversations about life and, 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 uh, and the state of uh, America and America's politics and they have these kind of very very long conversations which again people might find difficulty uh, with um, but um I have to say, I really, really liked it and I I really, really enjoyed it. And as uh, BJ Novak goes on, he does warm to everybody and then he does become interested. Then he, you know, because at one stage, what I was trying to get to there was Aston Kutcher turns to him at one stage. You thought we were all a bunch of yokels, didn't you? And uh, he goes, kind of. And he says, we're not like that, are we? And he says, no, no, you're deeper and smarter and, uh, you know, and much more impressive than I thought it was going to be. And he then, as I say, becomes emotionally involved and then tries to find the murderer of this uh, young woman. As I say, it is very, very talky. Um, it's over two hours long, which is too long. Um, but um, it's interesting. It's fascinating. There are a lot. You know, if you go on IMDb, there's a quotes section. Now, normally yeah. if you go to most of the movies I watch these days, which are really badly written, and you go to the quotes section, there might be just one. There's a whole page of them, you know. And uh, and they're all very funny and very, very interesting. And uh, I really liked it. It won't be to everybody's taste. Uh, but... Um, you know, I, I'd certainly recommend it.
3: Uh, out of 10 rating-wise? i will give it 8. Oh, yeah, that's good. 8 out of the 10, so for Vengeance. Uh, might be to go go-along uh, or pop-along to the cinema for that one. Uh, and then, would you alluded to there, the greatest beer run ever. Now, what is this one about? <laughs> when you uh, see beer run in the title, it's always interesting. Uh, yeah, and it's based on a true story, and
2: it's during the, the, the years of uh, Vietnam. Uh, this is an Apple TV Plus movie, which is why I decided to do the, the, the one that made it to the cinemas first, rather than this kind of a streaming movie, even though it's a huge movie with a huge budget. It stars Zac Efron, who plays this uh, young man from uh, Boston, and um, he plays the character of Chicky Donahue. <laughs> so there's a lot of a part that can't have, and yeah, kind of uh, Boston accents uh, in this. Now, it's said during Vietnam. He's not in Vietnam. He's a bit of a ne'er-do-well, and he spends most of his day in bed, uh, you know, which causes a lot of friction amongst his family. Most of his friends, most of his friends who have all of Irish names, because they're from an Irish background, they're all names like McLune and De- and Minogue and Collins, they're all in Vietnam. And so one night he's uh, in the bar, um, which is run by... by, um, I can't remember his name oh well, I have, I have it written down somewhere but uh, I can't see it And uh, but he has a few drinks and he decides I, I've got this great idea, I'm going to go to Vietnam and I'm going to bring loads of beer and I'm going to track down all my buddies and I'm going to give them this beer and apparently it is based on a true story how much of the true story in reality is actually on screen and how much is kind of the imagination of the screenwriter I don't know but he, <laughs> he brings this bag full of beer cans and goes to Vietnam Now, he's a, now he's, even though he's not a Vietnam he is pro War. He is pro Vietnam, and um, but of course, when once he gets there, the reality of what's happening out there um, comes to the fore. There's a very, very interesting kind of sequence, uh, for example, where he meets Russell Crowe, who's a kind of a war photographer at the start of the film, and he's all naivety, and he thinks, "Oh, this is fabulous, this is great, this is so exciting." And you know, Crowe is like looking at him, going, "Are you crazy?" Compare that to when they meet up at the end of the film, and the reality of the fact that people die and die violently and how nasty war is uh, comes to the fore. So initially he's kind of pro-war and it does, uh, you know, um, take a a, a, 360-degree spin uh, by the end of the film. Um, It's uh, written and directed by Peter Farrelly who made a lot of kind of comedies like Dumb and Dumber and Kingpin and There's Something About Mary. So it's a kind of a very cynical kind of look at uh, at war. So there is comedy here, uh, although it's kind of pretty satirical. It's not as good as kind of Great War comedies like uh, Catch 22 or, or, or the original MASH for example um, and it is two and a half hours long and there is a shift in tone where one second you have comedy next second you have kind of rather explicit kind of violence there's a scene in a helicopter which is particularly distressing um, but it's uh, fun a lot of the time along the way and um, and it looks as, uh, at a man's kind of uh, story and, and how his uh, attitude um, uh, the, the arc of his story just completely changes. Zach front is absolutely terrific he really is he's the best thing in the movie and uh, he is you know he just lights up the screen every time he's on it. it's big budget some of the action sequences are great it is a 50 insert because of uh, you know the more explicit nature of uh, some of the film and um, I really liked it I really did it could have done with some cutting I think because there's some of the scenes are kind of repetitive where when he goes to see his buddies they, they're very very similar some of the scenes um, and they could, we could have done with uh, you know, without uh, some of those but other than that I thought it was really entertaining
3: and it was funny and harrowing in uh, equal measure and as you say a big budget and, and a good cast in there as well when you have the likes of Russell Crowe Zachary, and Zac and, and many more there Bill so Murray I couldn't remember Bill Murray's Bill name Murray, uh. Bill Murray goodness gracious <laughs> me how did you forget adapted. Bill Murray I've no idea I'm tired <laughs> today he's the bar he's the barman barman he is yeah <laughs> he'd play a good barman I, I'd reckon anyhow <laughs> well, very much so well he's always good at everything he, he does he is in fairness uh, out of 10 how would you rate this uh, I'll give it 8 8 as well so they're good yeah. ones 8 out of 10 for Vengeance and for this one The Greatest Beer Run Ever and The Greatest Beer Run Ever is on Apple TV Apple TV Plus yes very good uh, Mark thank you for that you're welcome uh, have a good weekend we'll chat to you next Friday that is Mark Malone there with our movie review a news just uh, reaching us breaking from the UK the British Chancellor Quasi Quartang He has been sacked Uh, just in the last number of minutes. uh, There was a meeting in Downing Street with the UK Prime Minister, Liz Truss. There'll be a news conference shortly, but following uh, the decisions made in the UK about the tax costs announced in their mini budget and what happened regarding the Bank of England and the stocks and all of that, uh, just in the last few minutes, it has been announced now that he is no longer the Chancellor and he met with Liz Truss within the last hour. And uh, the reports saying that he has been sacked. That's the latest on that story. That's it from us. My thanks to you for all your calls, texts, and indeed emails. A busy show across the week. So we thank you for that. Patricia Messenger, all going well. She should be hopefully back with us on Monday's Cork Today show. My thanks to Bernie Murphy, who produced all week. Have a great weekend. I'm John Paul McNamara.
4: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?